0: Hello there, cats and kittens. My name is Alonda Carter and I am the recovering Hunbot. And this is Hey Hun, You Woke Up. If you are watching me on YouTube or listening to me on one of the 10 different podcast platforms, thank you so much. Today, my friend Josie joins me. Now, like me, she is a former Beach Body coach, but unlike me, she was in the top 1%, meaning she built a team and she also made six figures. Josie's one of those people that when I was in Beachbody, I looked up to because I wanted to be like her. I wanted to walk across the stage. I wanted a team. I wanted to have what I thought was just all this beautiful life and glory. Although I was at the bottom and she was at the top, we both eventually did see that what you're told about multi-level marketing or MLM is really not the truth. The contents of this video is based on my experience, my research and also my personal opinions as well as Josie's personal opinions. It is intended for entertainment purposes. Now granted, I do throw some shade on the MLM industry and I definitely am giving it a side eye and there might even be some tea spilt here and there. Anyone that's mentioned in this video is a public figure and I think we keep everything pretty much anonymous, but if you've been in the Beachbody bubble, there might be some things that you can figure out. This is not intended for anyone to go after anyone who is mentioned in this video. Please be kind to each other if you're leaving comments and be kind to me. And above all, do not send hate to anyone who's participating in the MLM industry. And now let's go ahead and welcome Josie. Hey Josie, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Now, you and I are, I guess, sister huns, you know, sister former huns, because <laughs> we were both in Beachbody, but I was down at the bottom and you were up at the top. So today I want to talk to you about what it was like to be at the top, because I was always trying to get there. I wanted to walk across the stage. I want to know what that shit was like. I want to know all of those things. So thank you and welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very interesting because we are both Beachbody, ex-Beachbody hun, so we do have those stories there. Um, I can tell you the first couple years in Beachbody was so much fun. And I always like to say cults are always fun in the beginning. Like, (laughs) I don't know if you've watched like wild, wild country on, um, or wild, wild, whatever it is on Netflix or like some other cult documentaries. I'm always telling my husband, I'm like, see, this looks so awesome in the beginning. And then you like get deeper in and you're like, what's happening. But at the time you don't realize it's what you're involved in you think it's you because that's how they program you to think that if something doesn't go how you want it or if you're stressed it's on you.
0: Absolutely. Now, you know, as a former Beachbody hun, I can remember being in the group, and we were under the same person, which that person's name will just be silent about, but you know who I'm talking about, and I'd see, like, you know, the leaderboards of people getting success club points, and if you don't know what success club points are, those are the points you were awarded, like, you know, when you sold something to someone, and it was, it's a different point system that will then translate into cash, but, you know, it's, it's a weird thing I've talked about a lot, but anyway, I would see people on the leaderboard, and I'm like, but I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I mean, to the point where I was working 12, 15 hours a day on this stuff and having no results. And I can remember then, like I did hit Emerald, so yay me, Um, couldn't hold it. And Emerald is the first rank, if you don't know. And then there would be like, you know, this push to become diamond, which would really be kind of like the next rank. There's one in between that's Ruby, but most people usually would hop up to you know the diamond. And I know there would be like all these extra little groups that you could get in if you were performing. And so I kind of, and I don't know what all of them are, because obviously I wasn't privy to them. So I'd like to get your perspective of what were those groups? What were they like? And did you really learn anything that we weren't, quote, learning? And I don't know if we were really learning anything, honestly, other than to be janky.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So... There's always so many groups. It doesn't matter what MLM you're in, there's so many groups for you to be a part of. And it is so overwhelming. Like anybody who's been in an in an MLM and they're on Facebook, they can attest to all the notifications they get nonstop. But then you also have all the self-development you're supposed to be reading. And then you also have the back office of the company with a plethora of information that you're supposed to read and go through. And it's Unbelievably uh, overwhelming, but they do it like that on purpose. Any cult—it's um, a part of information control. They flood you with so much information, information that puts them in an amazing light. Like I said, so they're always in the right. You're you're in the wrong if something doesn't go well. Um, and so, yeah, you be, just become indoctrinated through all these different avenues, and you don't even realize it because, especially with these uh, groups that you're talking about it's just, it's, it's shown as like a reward. Like you said, you don't get in them unless you hit a certain quota or you perform a certain way. And that was always really hard because I remember like, I want, I just like people and I like You know, like, I don't like drama. I just want everyone to be like rainbows and hugs and unicorns and let's all just love one another. And it's hard because as I moved up the ranks, you know, my appointment was like, no, you only um, help the, the runners. You only work with the people who are having results. You don't reward the people who are giving effort. You reward the results. And that was so hard because it was like, but they're telling me like, that's what a good business owner does. So it's like, Oh, well, okay. And so you just get like involved in this. Like the girl I just interviewed who was from Arbonne, she was like, her upline told her the same thing. She said, if they don't make money within the first week, you leave them. So yeah. So I mean, there's the... That's how it is as you move up. But you have to remember, like, the more you move up, the more you're involved in all these secret groups that you've earned. And there's so much more information in there. So it's kind of easy, in a way, as horrible as it sounds, to leave those people who aren't hitting those numbers because you have this and this and this and this to focus on now. Like that flood of information doesn't stop. And as you go higher, you're going to run out of your warm market. Like people have asked me on my first anti-MLM video that I made, they're like, what made you successful? Like, do you know what it was? Like, what was, and I was like, I had a bigger network. Like, let's call it what it is. I had a bigger network. And so the more that you move up, the more you're going to run out of that network and you have to start running ads. And so like, I remember paying like $300 for that, um, ads course that you also took. And, um, I didn't know how to run Facebook ads. Like I learned, but it was still very hard. They don't tell you that in the beginning, right? Like they don't tell you those things. They don't tell you all these things or you wouldn't have joined. (laughs) Um, so yeah, the groups did teach more. It's, it's exactly how a cult works. So when you get into a cult, they're going to make sure that they don't tell you everything because you would be like, hell no, I'm out. Like, forget this. So they give you a little bit of information, right? And like, then you hit Emerald and it's like, yay, now we're going to help you hit Diamond. When you hit Diamond, you get to be in this special group, yada, yada, yada. So when you hit Emerald, all you have to do is you just keep doing the, I can't remember what they called it, like the daily vitals or something. And you would do your workout. You would invite people. You would drink your shake and you would do yada, yada, all those things. And you would post about it, right? So that's all you have to keep doing. But that's that's not too hard, right? Like you're just being a product of the product. You're sharing what you love. That's great. And you help other people do that. So that's not that hard. But then once you get into like diamond ring, then they give you a bunch of more information and you're like, oh, okay. And and they start teaching you like content creation. And as you keep moving up, like when you hit star diamond, which is when you have a diamond under you, then you get, um, you get like a bunch of other special things and you get more groups to like start, you get into the star diamond groups basically. Um, and it's just more and more information and it, it just never ends. And I just like remember being like the higher I got, like, yes, it it was great with like the money and getting to pay off some debt and like, you know, helping some family members. That was great. But I had somebody ask me in an interview, they were like, did you ever, ever feel like you made it? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, because there were 15 ranks to hit after you hit diamond. So you have to, you, you, they want you to hit 15 star diamond. Right. And then once you do that, what do they do next? You, you want to hit 15 star diamond in your second business center. You start all over again. Like you're, you never make it, you never make it. So even though like you have days of celebration, um, you have to keep going immediately. And I remember like when I started to wake up from the illusion was in my third year and I was at a retreat, which was with our upline. And then a few other, there were like two or three other people who had been in the millionaires club. So they've earned a million dollars throughout their time in beach bike. And they were there And I felt so lucky to get to be there because I was a three-star diamond. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was a six-figure earner. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get to learn from them. Like, I'm gonna hear how to do it because I had just been spinning my wheels, right? I had been trying to run Facebook ads. I had been posting content like three times a day. I was creating content like a month ahead. I was running groups for my challengers. I was running groups for my team. I was trying to recruit. Like it never effing stops. And so I remember being at this retreat and one of the girls there, she had hit 15 star diamond. And you and I know what happens when you hit 15 star diamond. You get 15 star diamond day and they fly you out to corporate and they lavish you with all these balloons and flowers and plaques and trophies and you, you get to be interviewed on camera with the CEO and congratulate and like they have all of corporate line up when you come off the elevator to like be there to congratulate you. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, they show us these videos and they're like, you can do this too. Like, this is what you want. And you get to go on like this special trip with other people. And So I'm standing next to her in the kitchen and we're all like kind of on our laptops, like trying to work, like nobody was having fun there. Nobody, everybody was miserable. Everybody was exhausted. And this was when I was like, oh my gosh, like why is nobody happy? Like that's what started to scare me because I like to do things for fun. I like to, I, I know that things can't always be fun, but I'm like, this is a special retreat that we earned. Why is nobody happy here? (laughs) And so I was next to this newly 15 star diamond coach. And I said, so I said, how was your 15 star diamond day? And she goes, "Uh, you know, it was just one day. And I lost it. Like, physically like to her externally I was like oh okay and then internally I'm screaming I'm like what the hell do you mean it's just one day like you're saying it wasn't worth it like (laughs) like it scared me it scared me because I'm like what am I working so hard for and I started to realize that my ladder I had been climbing so long and so hard was leaning against the wrong building
0: wow just wow because you know being down at the bottom and wanting so badly to get up there where you had been, I can remember thinking, and I still think about this. It's like, I know how much work I was putting in and I'm thinking, it can't possibly be less work when you get up there because, and I always talk about like, it's kind of like a Jenga puzzle because people leave and you got to like plug it back in and you have to keep on trying to fill those holes up constantly because people don't stay because they're not experiencing success. And I've often thought they've got to be mentally and physically exhausted, but yet on social media, when they're doing videos, when they're doing any, you know, poses for the camera, doing anything, it looks as if they're quote unquote living their best life and all of that crap. I mean, so what are they really doing? Is that all completely fake or is there any part of it that's real?
1: So, I mean, it's real to you in that moment, right? Because like, I mean, I was able to go out and like buy a Mercedes. Don't get me wrong. Like I was making payments on it, but like that was mine. I was making so much more than I ever did as a hairstylist. Right. So it's like, it's kind of like cognitive dissonance. So it's like, you're, you have these things like the money, the, the material stuff that you can buy, um. But then the other part of your brain is like, this is so hard. Like, why is this so frustrating? Like, This is, this is just like, when do I get to like mentally relax? Like, this is just oh, like, I feel like a hamster in a wheel. But you have the money and the material thing. So you have to be like, well, this is good. Like, it's helping me. So you just think you're you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you just, I guess, like, I just kept thinking like there would come a point where I would like make it and I'd be able to like rest and just be like, I don't know, live off the residual income. That never happens. Most, um, most people or most MLMs implode on themselves, you know, um, at one point or another. And when that happens, only the people who were in at the very, very beginning and having massive downline, um, continue to still make money, but don't get me wrong. They still lose money. Like I remember my upline when, when a lot of us lost money in 2016, um, because, people bought workout programs from us and they bought DVDs from us. And Netflix and Hulu were on the rise back then. Like they were just like rising up. Like they were becoming so popular. People weren't buying DVDs anymore. Like I can't tell you the last time I bought a DVD, we don't even own a DVD player anymore. So our income, my income went down so much and I wasn't the only one that happened. And I remember my upline like complaining that she lost millions <laughs> and she was earning like i remember her telling me um in 2015 she earned 3.5 million so i mean they lose money but it's for them it's not enough to walk away but um it's i i just thought at the time it was that company and i thought i'm going to find a better company one that treats its distributors better and i joined two other companies and i got to the top in those companies and i was like this is not like what's going on and that's when i started to realize It's the system. It's the entire business model of an MLM. It's not a specific company.
0: Well, you mentioned something earlier, and it's something that I often talk about because I I say that when you join one of these things, if you already have influence, like you said, you had a large network, That's one thing, but most people don't have that. They don't have that big network. Right. You know, we all know people who were, you know, married to a baseball player and, you know, something that gave them a very large network. And it's like, well, no wonder you're successful or you're the sister of one of the super trainers. Well, no wonder you're having success because, you know, you're not your average Joe, so to speak. But Mm -hmm. they try to make it sound like that you can just be anybody and come in and actually make money that we both know that's not the case that if you don't have that built-in network where people will say yes then you're just going to be on the struggle bus like what I was on absolutely 100% (laughs) no doubt and these are designed in a way as you've said to get you to keep going because you are in all these groups. And I know you and I, I think we both joined, um, paid for some of the same things where I'm like now paying to be in groups that aren't part of Beachbody so I can learn more things so that I can have success. But yet that still wasn't happening. And that's where I learned the Facebook ads and yada this, yada that, the social media coaches, the network marketing coaches, the personal development coaches. I mean, like how many different coaches do I need to go to, so that I could actually you know, find results. But then you're not going to, for the most part, most people, because like you said, it is the system. It is designed for most people to fail. But I wanna kinda go back to um, like what people who are at the top, how are they feeling about making social media posts, about being in different groups, their responsibilities? Are their responsibilities tremendously different from what it's like when you first start, when you're down at the bottom and on the struggle bus.
1: Oh yeah. Because you have a whole team now of people and you have a whole team of people on the struggle bus because we know less than 1% make significant money in network marketing. So now you have a whole team of people on the struggle bus. So for me, there was lots of times I felt guilty because I'm like, I know these girls are working hard, you know, like and you're told, from uplines and other groups or like the, the, the coaches who train network marketers, you're told, well, they're not working hard enough. If they don't want it bad enough, they don't have the vision like you do. And you're just told to leave them.
0: That's just so sad and so wrong on so many levels.
1: Um, and it doesn't help. It doesn't help when, when you've made the money because then it just reinforces the idea that, well, if I did it, they can do it. Like, you know, like if I did it, they can do it. And like people will be like, well, why don't you look at the income statements of the company? Yada yada. Well, any type of, um, what's the word, any type of not explanation, but any type of thing that somebody says like, well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you look at this? Why didn't you look at the facts? And MLM has an explanation for all of those like (laughs) all of those. So we were told, oh, well the income statement doesn't take into, into account. Um, just the coaches working to make money because there's discount coaches, people who only buy the product and they sign up just to get the product at a discount. So those are included in the income statement. So it's really not giving the full advice. You're like, Oh, okay. So there is a greater chance of making money here to bed. And then when you make money, it just reinforces the idea that like, okay, I did it. You can do it too. And then when they're telling you at the top, like these people just don't want it bad enough. Like (laughs) it's awful. And it's, it's such a cult,
0: you know, and I've talked about that because I knew that I was being looked at as a discount coach, even though to me, I was like work, working my business, even though I wasn't getting the results, but I knew that they're like lumping people. out, like, oh, they just love the products. No, we don't love the products. We are looking to have that lifestyle, that we never could obtain and I find that really interesting that they reinforce to you that there's like all these people who just happen to just love it so much because you know what I've never met anybody on the streets that have come up to me and been like girl have you heard about all these great products from Beachbody not a single time ever it wasn't until I was part of it that then all of a sudden you know I fell in love with the products because I was part of the system. So I find that really interesting that they try to kind of, even though they're showing you the facts kind of sort of with the income disclosure, but they're twisting it for you guys who have, you know, risen to the top so that you continue to believe like, Oh yeah. Okay. So that's why it looks like this. It's really better than this, but they're including mm-hmm. this. That is an incredibly interesting, incredibly deceiving and even more thought reform, you know, that you're experiencing as you're hearing more of this sort of stuff, especially the stuff of like, well, they don't want it hard enough. They don't, they don't have the vision, you know, you do, but they're not like you. So I can really see how that sets up that, you know, that black, white, the in, the out kind
1: of, you know, group setting. Right. And you don't want to question stuff or, um, you know, use critical thinking, which they call negativity, because then you're lumped into the, them group the us first them you're lumped into them group so you just want to stay positive uh which just shuts down your questioning basically i remember to answer your question about like the social media thing i got so sick of constantly having to take selfies and post them and share like everything about my life and i remember when i first started um my upline had said she was like it was one of those groups that you're talking about. Like it wasn't an emerald group. I think it was when I got to diamond. It was the, it was, um, then we, she put us in like a special training group and she taught us to make our, our social media like a reality show. She goes, that's what I do. I, I make my social media like a reality show because if you look at like the Kardashians, people love to follow them. And so I make my social media like that and I share pictures that like show what I'm doing in my life and yada, yada, yada. So I got real tired of that reality show by probably like my third year in. It just was like, oh my God. Like I'm so tired of posting content because your life becomes lived to only take content, like to give content. Like it's not actually you living your life and it's exhausting. And I started to have like this awakening when it was the last summit I went to the Beachbody conference and the star diamonds were in the back of the stadium underground where like the football players come out onto this field. So we're back there in this like hot, sweaty tunnel, uh, waiting to go out on stage and be recognized. And they had us lumped up by like uh, one star diamond, second star diamond or two star diamonds, three star diamonds, and all the way on. And I just remember everyone being on their phone on a Facebook live. And when we walked out of the tunnel, onto the field in front of an entire stadium of people and onto this huge, beautiful, well-lit stage. And they're like announcing us and we're walking across the stage. Every damn person was on their phone on a Facebook live being like, see, look how, look at this. I get to be recognized. You can be here too next year. And I'm like, Oh, you mother effers are just so stupid. Like, why are you enjoying this moment? Put your phone down. Like it was driving me crazy. And that's when I was like starting to wake up and I was like, I can't live this lifestyle of, like, let me show you every little thing, you know, like, they're not even living in the moment.
0: You know, that's so interesting because even me down at the bottom, I mean, I got sick of, you know, taking selfies and, you know, showing my dogs or my husband and I, I and mean, it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, can I just have a day, but you're, you're always on, you're, you're, always. you never have a day off, you know, it, it's, it's like, I, I have never worked so hard in so many hours in my life not even through the two grad programs I've been through. I've never put forth so much energy towards something. And I mean, you had results and I know you probably put in as much or more energy in than what I was doing. And I just, you know, at the end of the day for those people who made it, that seems really sad that they weren't able to enjoy it. But I guess also it goes into just mentally You have to keep showing everybody how fantastic everything is. So you really do become a completely different person.
1: I remember women being worried to get pregnant because they were worried how that would affect their business. Because when you're pregnant, you're not going to be posting before and after pictures of your weight loss transformation. You're not going to be posting, you know, skinny pictures of yourself. Like, and I just remember thinking, like, this is so screwed up. And I remember thinking, like, I'm not having kids. I don't plan to have kids. But at the time, I was, like, on the fence about it. And I I thought the same thing. I was, like, what if I get pregnant? Like, is this going to hurt my business? Like, that's such a messed up thought to have. But it's just, when you have to document your life so much and and you're a health and wellness company and everything's about the next program that's launching and the best before and after that you could get from it to get more sales and to get more people onto your tribe, like that's the mentality of it. And I would see all these people, even people on my team who would get pregnant, they would have a baby and then within like four days, three to four days after having that baby, some people would even do it like two days, they would be posting a picture of themselves in a crop top showing their stomach and they're like, I'm so happy I kept working out during my pregnancy. It's helped me snap back, see how flat my stomach is now. And I was like, mama, you just pushed out like a 10 pounder, like go take a nap. What are you doing? Like you can't take time off. It's scary.
0: And and that's so funny because, you know, they they really slam, you know, corporate America or any other job, anything outside of MLM. It's completely slammed. But yeah, guess what? You can take time off. Like this past week, I took a day off to go to my friend's funeral, you know, but if you're MLM, you know, I would have had to have been posting stuff about, see, look, I can even do this freely, but you're not free. To me, I really feel that MLM enslaves you. It's like they put shackles around you and they keep you just entrenched in something. And I think it really oppresses women. It doesn't empower
1: them. Absolutely. And what's interesting that you just said that is because, uh, so our upline was not around very often for us. Even once you got higher up, like once you got higher up, it was, it was expected of you. Success was expected of you. So hitting your quota, like, You don't get a a clap for that. Like you were supposed to hit your quota. You've been doing it for a year. So why wouldn't you do it now? Like that's the mentality it was. Um, Unless you hit like 15 star diamond, which like 0.01 hit that. But so I had a mentor who was also under our upline and she was high up. She had hit 15 star diamond like a few years before. Uh, And she was super sweet. She had been a uh, pharmaceutical sales rep you may know who I'm talking about. I do. Very intelligent woman. She was just awesome. Her and my upline were always fighting. Like they were friends before they joined the company and they were like always at each other's store There was so much drama. Anyway, this woman was there for me. Like she would answer my questions. She would take time to talk to me on the phone and like help me out with things or like learning things or giving me advice for how to like lead all these people. And I remember the year that I left, I left in March of 2017. Like everybody was pissed off. Everyone I knew was just like, my income's going down, like this sucks. Like, because we're we were just told, oh no, everything's fine. You just need to work harder. And it's like, BS. And so I remember her telling me I walked away from corporate America because I felt like I was in handcuffs. And now I feel like I have beach body handcuffs on me. She actually said that? She said that. And then When I left, she was the one who made a video about me and the other people who left, calling us traitors, comparing us to Lamar Odom, and saying that we were never there for our team. We never made the kind of money that we said we did. All this, it's still up on her YouTube. I saw the video. I I watched it. And I just was sitting there thinking like, you liar. You liar. What are you talking about? You said B20 is like another pair of corporate handcuffs on you. But- When you have a mass exodus of people, you have to say those things to save your team, to save your money, which is your livelihood. And that's exactly what she was doing. She also blocked me, which is sad. And it's sad because it's like, I really liked her as a person. She was awesome. But it's like MLMs ruin relationships. And if you leave, you are shunned, you are excommunicated. And just like how Scientology takes out those articles and writes hate blogs about you. Like, that's what happens. Yeah. Now, when I
0: left, nobody really knew. And I just kind of like, because I wasn't really involved in everything the way that I had been. So it was was nothing. It was nothing. But the year of 2017, I remember that because the back office used to tell you how many coaches there were in the network. So you could see that number. And then they changed back offices. And it's like, you couldn't see that number anymore. And I always found that so interesting. I'm like, cause I was seeing that number go down and I was telling people, wow, it's gone down to this. And I, I'm pretty sure that's why they took it away. So people couldn't like monitor that kind of a thing.
1: Well, they also said in that same year when compliance was just terminating people left and right, because they changed the policies and procedures because so many people who that was their livelihood. They were like, I got to pay my bills. So they joined another network marketing company while doing Beachbody and they were like, okay, I'm going to work this one as well, but I'm still going to do Beachbody, but I need to make more income. Beachbody didn't like that, but their policies and procedures stated that you could do more than one MLM as long as it wasn't a competing health and wellness MLM. Well, they didn't like how many other people were doing a second MLM because it sends a statement to everybody Mm -hmm. below you. It says, I'm not earning enough. <laughs> Hello. So like everyone below you is like, well, maybe I shouldn't be trying to like get up there. They're not going to be able to make, you know, pay their bills. Maybe I should try for it. So Beachbody changed the policies and procedures and stated, you can only do one MLM. Then they said all, because all the, all of us were like, wait a minute, we have discount coaches, people who just signed up as a coach just to get the discount. And they're involved in like, Mary Kay or 31 or Isagenix or whatever. I'm like, what, what are we, we were like, what do we do about those who are discount coaches? Like, are they still allowed to be in those MLMs? Cause they're not working the business. And the head of compliance said, we have never had discount coaches. You are either a coach or you are not, but I can prove that's false because they made the mistake of sending us out our year in review, uh, which you got once you were like a certain rank every year. You got your year in review and in your year in review, I, I remember printing this out before I left because I said, I want to have a copy of this. So I never forget why I walked away <laughs> because there was just so much drama. Um, let me find, hold on. Let me bring out the receipts. Aha, okay. So the very last thing, it says 6% of your PS coaches were discount coaches. At the end of 2016, see discount coaches? Uh-huh. Yeah. So when they said, we didn't have discount coaches, we never had, right? Our coach or not. They were lying through their teeth, and they knew what they were doing. And I saw people have their livelihoods taken away from them, just like that from somebody just calling compliance and being like, I think so-and-so has joined another MLM. And like without even checking, they just terminate them. And there's nothing that person can do because they're not protected as a 1099 contract worker. People were out for blood. It was the most vicious thing I've ever seen.
0: Oh, I remember all of that. I was, I was right there. And at the time I was saying that I would bleed blue, that I was so entrenched. Right.
1: Right. Right. Everyone said that.
0: You know, craziness. (laughs) And I I can remember calling compliance on people, you know, Cause I was like, I thought I was doing what I needed to do that. I was protecting the company, even though the company didn't give a flying pigs, butt about me or anyone else, all they cared about is making money. That's the bottom line. You know?
1: I remember when I left, uh, cause somebody sent me a screenshot of our upline, what she posted in her group. And she had posted, which keep in mind, I'm not here to like villainize her. I think that the CEOs of MLMs are the corrupt evil people. The the distributors, even the highest ones in the company, I just think that they are victims. That's yeah. that's what I think. Mean. But to show you the mindset of how they think, like our upline had posted a picture not long after I left and she had put on her wedding dress and was holding uh her, what do you call it? Her bouquet from her wedding. And she had like taken a picture, smiling and holding it. And she was like, you know marriage is hard, but you make a commitment and you, you promise that you're always going to work on it. You're never going to leave. You're always going to be there. You're going to follow through with what you said. Well, I want to ask you how many of you are married to your business? Because I am, and I will always be married to my business because I made that commitment and it just went on and on and on. And I remember thinking when I saw those screenshots, I was like, no, no, You don't marry a business. That's not business smart. What are you thinking? Like, but that's the indoctrination that occurs deep in. And she didn't post that on her regular public social media because she knew how crazy that would look. She posted that in the private groups with the coaches because she was worried about more people leaving.
0: Well, and that just gets people to like say yes more, you know, and if they're like, Oh yes, I am committed. I am. So they're going to like keep them in because you're trying to keep your, you know, Jenga tower, you know, you're just trying to keep it all aligned because otherwise it's just going to collapse. Oh goodness. Now something else I do want to ask you about, because I mean, I remember going to super Saturday, which was a quarterly event and also going to summit, which is the conference. And when I looked around, I'm like, okay, okay, Well, one of my friends was African-American. She was on the same, you know, team that we were on. And then anyone else was pretty much white women. You know, there Mm -hmm. might have been a Hispanic here or there. And other than that, it was just like white and blonde, you know, that to me when I looked around and I always found that to be like, wow. And especially now on the other side, as I'm looking at things, I'm like, why is it it's just like it's mostly white women, and you being, you know, part white, part you know, African American, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, it's like you know, you had to deal with the fact that it was a bunch of white women around you, and mm-hmm. so I mean, were you able to recruit other people, like you know, were you able to create? If I can talk, were you able to recruit other black women or was it, you know, white women only? And what was it that, you know, what do you think that attracts predominantly white women to MLMs?
1: So to answer the first question, did I recruit black women? So I never cold messaged anybody. I never cold messaged anybody, which is why I created so much content all the time because I was trying to be an attraction marketer so people could approach me because I just knew I was like, I don't like to be cold messaged. I don't want to do that to anybody. Um, So I didn't tell my team they had to do that either. I was just like, you know, work on content, yada, yada, which is also exhausting. Don't get it twisted. It's also exhausting. Um, I never had black women approach me about it. Um, uh, no, and, but a lot of my network, um, in the beginning was a lot of white people because I come from a very small town in the middle of Missouri. Um, I was one of, out of 350 people in my graduating high school class, um, four of us were black. There were four black girls in the entire class of 350 people. Two of us were mixed, <laughs> including myself. I mean, so, which was a very tough upbringing dealing with racism and everything. And so, no, I mean, I, I had a lot of um, people in my network who were white. So I would say to answer your second question, like why is there are so many white women in MLMs, I really think it just all goes back to, it goes, it, the, these roots run so deep. It goes back to systemic racism. It goes back to um, capitalism And the ugliness that is capitalism and how capitalism caters to white America. That's what they do. All their ads, like all their, you know, everything, it caters to white America. So that's why I think MLMs are mostly white. They cater to white America.
0: Yeah, well, you know, my favorite super trainer was always Sean T. I always just, I still, I mean, I would just love to cuddle with him. He just is just such a beautiful man. It's like, oh, can I just like fall asleep next to you? You're so pretty. (laughs) He
1: was pretty.
0: <laughs> My husband was always like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've always found it interesting where, you know, but then I have found a couple of MLMs and I found one, two different ones that were sanitary napkins created by uh, some black guys. I think one Hispanic guy that were like from Atlanta or something. And then I found a funeral insurance MLM that was in South Africa, but created by a white guy, but you know, caters to, you know, the South Africans. I'm like, oh my gosh, all of these companies just need to stop, which, you know, it's like the hydra. You you can't just shut them down. And now I wish that we could just go chop and done. But some of the problem also is the fact that the Direct Seller Association and the FTC, they switch places. People who are in one go to another. And so it's like, you know, you basically have, you know, the wolf guarding the hen house.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And now MLMs are starting to realize like, oh, we can make a profit off brown and black communities. And so, I mean, they're trying to infiltrate Mexico hardcore because the Hispanic community, like those families are so tight knit. I mean, and they have usually bigger families than most. And so obviously, hello, like they want you to recruit everybody you know. And it just sucks because anytime you go after a marginalized group of people, that group of people is going to be hurt worse and left in worse shape than the average group of people who are also going to be left in bad shape. But if you go after marginalized communities, they're going to be in worse shape.
0: Well, it's interesting because, you know, like um, the Enagic, which is the water filter thing, whatever, you know, and people get upset when I call it a water filtration MLM that the Enagic huns do, but I'm just calling it that <laughs> because it's just easy. I don't care. It's like, oh, okay. So I'm not being proper for what it is as it's okay
1: um, I called new skin the toothpaste MLM
0: (laughs) right exactly But, um, you know, that really caters to a lot of people in Asia, you know, and so and they think it's absolutely fabulous. And they talk about how it's, you know, a licensed medical device or whatever, which I haven't actually really looked into that. I don't really care, but I do know that what they're doing is harming thousands of people. Um, I also did an interview with Dr. Kahn, Peter Kahn, who studied MLMs as an anthropologist in Mexico. And I can't remember the name of the one that's so big in Mexico. But what was interesting with that is that, as an anthropologist, was it an herbal life? no, no, oh, okay. it was like I think it was like neutral life or omni life, or it was, it was some other thing, but it was an offshoot basically from herbal life. If memory serves, which memory may not be serving, but but what was interesting is that as an anthropologist and as he was documenting this, of course, he had never been part of an MLM. You know, he looked at it that, well, maybe it's giving them something that it might not be that financial freedom that you're told that you can get, but, you know, that sense of community, that sense of this, but he did see people just continue to buy product and they didn't seem to be worried by the fact they weren't making money according to, if I'm, again, if I'm remembering, I can't talk, if I am remembering correctly, which I found it interesting to try to look at MLM with like a different set of eyes, because, you know, our eyes, in a way, are tainted because we've been in there. So if, we, if, you know, we can look at it, you know, from the outside of like, okay, how is, how could this be serving people? I'm always going to go back to, it's destroying people economically, emotionally, psychologically, you know, like in so many different ways. And you don't know that it's happening. And even those people at the very top, as you've said, I often will say that I see the Huns as the symptom they're not the problem. The problem is the people, the overall structure, the umbrella of what a multi-level marketing company is. And is those CEOs, those people who are like, you know what? I think I'm going to be selling something and I'm going to use this MLM structure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and they have to know exactly what they're doing. There was a part of me, I think when I first started that I was like, well, maybe the CEO of
1: Beachbody really didn't know. You're taught to believe that they are next to God, the CEOs. And that they just want to help save the world.
0: Well, you know, Beachbody is um, the Sheffield group. Had I left, gosh, I can't talk. I'm going to have to edit this shit out. Um, Had I mentioned to you the Sheffield group
1: before? hmm they like help people create mlms yeah so
0: beachbody is one of their clients so it's like oh okay so y- y'all all are talking and you no know, sharing secrets and when you start looking at the people who are at the sea level and all these companies you can start seeing like what other mlm they've worked for so you know there's just these secrets going back and forth how you do this how you do that it basically, it's all inbred is the way I look at it, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah.
0: They're all sleeping with each other, moving around. Yeah.
1: Around. To go back to what you were saying, I've deter- in my experience, I've determined that there are three reasons somebody joins an MLM, and it's either for community, for a discount on the products that they like, or to make money, or it's all three.
0: Yeah. And I would say the people who do it for the discount on the products, they don't stick around with those products very long because the products are overpriced, you know?
1: No, in my uh, year in review from Beachbody, it told me that I had, um, here it is. Okay. So the average number of months, your PS coaches, your personally sponsored coaches have stayed in on Shakeology in 2016 was 5.6 months. That's for a coach okay and it says for comparison the average was 5.6 months in 2015 so it was the same amount of time so i remember seeing that i'm like they only stay on it for an average of five and a half months and then it said um let's see here it said i had recruited 39 new coaches in 2016 uh 2016 for comparison you recruited 89 coaches in 2015 i was running out of my network but then they only stayed on for five and a half months of Shakeology on average and i remember thinking Oh my God. Like this feels like a house of cards. Like this is crazy. Like it doesn't matter how hard you work. You're going to have to continually like keep adding people in because they're going off the product. Um, let's see here. Oh, and here, here get this. So I had like hundreds of customers. Okay. Like, I mean, I recruited coaches, but I also recruited a lot of customers because I was running challenge groups all the time. And I got certified as a certified nutritionist back in 2014. Um, So it said your customers, you currently have 11 customers on Shakeology HD. So on Shakeology Home Direct, you have 11 customers. Um, And for comparison, you had 23 customers on Home Direct this time in 2015. And it said that the average number of months your customers stay on Shakeology in 2016 was 2.4 months. And for comparison, the average was 2.3 in 2015.
0: Well. It is a house of cards. Wow. Okay, you know what? What I'm kind of curious about is, okay, those people at the top. I guess they're not doing those four vital behaviors that those at the bottom that we're all having to do the invite, the, you know, and all this crazy stuff that we're doing. How are they recruiting differently or are they recruiting differently? Cause you said you didn't do any cold messages and I did do cold messages. I did try attraction marketing. I ran Facebook ads too. All for not. <sighs>
1: mm-hmm. So ads, um, the, one of the top, People now, um, I've told you before the story, but she's our up, ex upline's like best friend uh, now. Now she is. Now that she she proved herself and got to the top as a fifteen star diamond, she. I remember asking her because we started at the same time. We once led a team call together, and then all of a sudden she just started taking off, and I was like, "Yo." what are you doing? Like I was messaging. her, I was like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, how are you advancing so fast? This is crazy. Like congrats, but what are you doing? <laughs> Cause we're all over here struggling. And it wasn't just me, like several people from the team who were like star diamonds were being like, Hey girl, what are you doing? What are you doing? She would not return our messages. So I was like, well, screw that. So I went in our, our big group, and I tagged her and I was like, Hey, I messaged you. Can you tell me what you're doing <laughs> to advance so quickly? Like, I don't play, like, let me know. I would let you know. And so then immediately I got a message from her. She didn't answer in my public post. She was like, Hey, um, so I started an ad a few months ago. Like, cause this was probably around like March. She was like, I started an ad in November. I did not have money to do it at all. I put it on a credit card. I spent $245 on an ad in November and it just started taking off and it's just been taking off ever since. And so I just keep putting money to it. I'm not going to change it. I'm too scared to touch it, but it's been getting me a lot of leads. And so like to this day, she still runs that ad. Uh, and I mean, she just stayed with that ad It like, it helped grow her network. Um, but so it's, it's things like that. Like they're running ads and they're, they're also running ads on like Google or YouTube. Like it's not just Facebook. I mean, it's, extensive. And they're hiring a lot of people to do that for them too. Well, you know, it's
0: interesting with that person that you mentioned, she has a background in marketing. So it's like, okay, you're going to kind of have a leg up on how to do some of those things. Because I can remember, because I I think you were in a social team builders also, were you in that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can remember doing like the 10 different ads and trying to do the AB split testing and all of this and finding your winning ad and all this crap. And I spent, um, in that year, a couple of thousand dollars, you know, on ads and I got nothing out of it at all. So, I mean, learning how to do ads and finding an ad that will work that again, that's something that the average person may have to invest thousands of dollars in to find something that might work. You just can't come out the gate and put something together. And it's like, boom, it's just going to take off. I think you have to have, you know, like what she had, a bit of some
1: knowledge, you know, to be oh, yeah. able to know how to do that. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the top people, uh, her name starts with an A, um, last name starts with a B B, in boy. She, or the, is it is an M? It's an M, I think. Yeah, M. She, I remember listening to her on a team call that was in like one of those special elite training groups. And she said, you know, I used to be a, I think she was like a paralegal and she's like, I knew from working at this law firm that 10% of their budget went to marketing. so that's what I did when I started with Beachbody, 10% of everything I made went to marketing. And I'm like, what? Like, I didn't know that like, but then again, I don't come from a marketing background. I wasn't trained in marketing. I'm like, what in the world? Like all this time, like no wonder you have over 200,000 followers, like all this time you've been putting all I'm like, I just had no idea. And that's the thing. Like people don't know this, but yeah, if you have a experience in marketing, you do have a leg up, but they like to tell you like, no, anybody can do it. Anyone.
0: Yeah. And like the little marketing classes that we would take, it's like, like that's going to teach us the things to do. And it was like so surface, so basic. I mean, I, did I learn some stuff? Yeah, I learned some things I didn't know. But overall, did I learn enough? No. If you want to learn marketing, go get a marketing degree. <laughs> Don't do it through
1: some. Well, yeah, my, my friend's getting a marketing degree. And the first thing they're teaching her in her first and second semester are tax rules and tax laws. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had known that it would have saved me $11,500.
0: Yeah, because you're never told about any of that. That's never spoken about. I've never heard anybody in MLM talk about, you know, what you need to do for taxes or, you know, how to do anything to set up a, a real business. Because the bottom line is, is you're an independent contractor. You don't really have a business per se, unless you have an LLC or something. And if you do that, I sure hope you start, you know, taking some classes and something and figuring out all the other things that you need to know, because you're not going to get that kind of information in multi-level marketing.
1: Right. They don't, like, they never taught me how to set up an LLC or S Corp. I had a family member who was kind enough to teach me how to set up an S Corp, um, and I, I was a little too late. Like they didn't like the company didn't tell me, nor did my upline. Like hey, if you don't set up an LLC or an S corp or a type of umbrella, mm, you could be penalized because the IRS doesn't like you funneling all these funds in through your personal account. Or they don't tell you that like hey, when you reach a certain level of income, you have to start paying quarterly taxes because otherwise you'll be penalized fines and penalties. And that's what happened to me. Like everyone, people in my first video were commenting like, you didn't know to pay your taxes. And I'm like, of course I paid my taxes. I was a 1099 as a hairstylist for seven years. I didn't know about quarterly taxes. I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know I had to do it once I started reaching a certain income. And then I get slapped with an $11,500 fine from the IRS. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea about this. And it's, it's so pathetic because I'm not saying that an MLM has to be your CPA or teach you what a CPA does, but they make sure to give you an abundance of information based in like toxic positivity and thought programming and zero financial information.
0: Yeah, absolutely. 10,000%. But yeah, we have all these people running around talking about the, you know, I'm a business owner. And the thing is, is that the Huns didn't come up with the idea that they're a business owner. I mean, you start looking at the literature from MLMs. They're telling you that on their websites. They're all telling you about, it. you can have your own business. It's like, it's not your own
1: business. It that always is- starts out so innocently or yeah. And it's like, I didn't know what I was doing. And then I just like fell into it and it's been amazing. And I've been able to build this dream life and that's what they do. They sell you the dream of it. But yeah, no, it, it really isn't your own business just with like what Beachbody did when they were compliance was just terminating people left and right and their livelihoods was, was gone. Or like when Advocare went out of business with the, um, distributors and they like terminated hundreds of thousands of distributors, these people, like their livelihoods just gone. That's not your own business. No, absolutely
0: not. Not at all. Well, girl, I want to say thank you so much for your time. Um, I'm going to I'll pause this and then we'll wrap up and all that stuff. But thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this. And I know that we can get back together at another point and talk more about stuff and maybe just about, you know, MLMs in general and the the cult like nature of everything. I think that is so very fascinating and breaking all of that down is so important because like you said, those at the top, they're victims just like those at the bottom are. Everybody is being victimized by it. And you know, to some degree, I would even say, the CEOs become a victim too because it all started so long ago and they just thought like, Oh, I can do this. But at some point, I think you kind of, I don't know, become kind of a scammer yourself when you're at the top.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it all runs so deep. It's very cool. Like, thank you for having me.
0: You know, the thing that I think I find the most heartbreaking about this entire interview is that Josie was told to leave people behind, just leave them. And I can understand that if you are in that kind of bubble and you are having success and that's what you're told and that's what other people are doing, that you're going to start behaving in that same way too. Now myself, I know when I had like one or two people underneath me, I always thought, you know, I'm not going to treat people the way I was treated. But at the time I didn't realize they were being told just leave them behind just just leave them no wonder i was left to my own devices and to run all over the internet trying to find you know some sort of magic so that i could make this whole thing work for me there is an expectation that when you join an mlm that you will immediately be able to get somebody that you know to buy whatever it is that you're shilling. Now, it doesn't matter the fact that you are brand new to the company and you don't really know anything about it. The expectation is you just need to go out there and hustle and sell something to someone. Now, just imagine what that would be like, you know, if for an actual job where you're being paid a salary, that if you don't perform within a week, you're just going to be left. No one's going to help you. You're going to just be on your own. Doesn't that seem a little bit, wrong to you all of this to me seems extremely toxic and i definitely can see how if you are in that one percent bubble that your personality would change over time i mean you you have to be able to change to be able to you know cope with this mentally the fact that you're getting people on your team And then you're not helping them because they're not performing on their own. But if they perform on their own, then you're going to help them, which it really seems kind of lopsided to me. It seems like if somebody's able to do it on their own, don't you want to help the people who are having a difficult time? So I think about my past life as a teacher. And there would always be some kids that would be struggling a bit, and I would help them. Not to say that I didn't help kids who were not struggling, but they didn't need as much help because They were able to, you know, pick up whatever it is that we were, we were doing. So those who are struggling, of course, I'm going to be there to help them, but that's not the case in MLM. You don't help those who are having a difficult time. You just cut them loose. You let them go and don't worry about them. And you just run with the winners. Now, last night, my husband and I, we watched 60 Minutes, and there was a segment about the opioid crisis in the U.S., and within this, there was like this unveiling, unmasking, if you will, of a playbook from a pharmaceutical company, and it made me think of this person who Josie had mentioned and who I also knew because we were all on the same team that had been a pharmaceutical rep it also made me think of the people who are in the top of multiple marketing companies. Because within the context of this whole opioid discussion that was going on, there was someone who was a top salesperson. And he said that the less of a conscience you had, the more chance you had at being successful. You really couldn't think of people as people. You had to take the human factor out of it. And it makes me think of that about the MLM industry too, that if you are on the rise, you are at the top, you can't be worrying about, you know, those people. All you can do is just really focus on what you're there to do. And what you're there to do is to get other people to join, to get other people to buy, to get other people to believe in the dream. I kind of have an idea that those at the very top of the MLM industry, we're not talking about the C-level. I'm talking, you know, the top-level distributors. There's something about them that I think there's a part of their humanity that has been lost. And definitely, I mean, I don't think you can have much of a conscience left. I don't even know if they realize that because I think they've been mentally manipulated so much by MLM that they have no idea how they have been transformed, how they've been brainwashed, how much they have actually changed in order to perpetuate this same myth and get it to continue because they have to believe it full-heartedly in order to keep going. And like Josie said, those at the top, those top distributors, they're victims too. And that's something that I've said as well. They've all been manipulated by the overall structure of MLM. Now, the people that I do hold accountable are those who are at the top, meaning the C level. They know exactly what they're doing. They know that most people who join aren't going to make it. And they know that most people who join are going to lose money and they just don't care. Now, please remember Be kind to anyone who is in this type of industry and I know you may want to like lash out sometimes but I'm just asking you to refrain because they are humans and they are victims. They are victims of a horrific industry and in my opinion those at the top need the most help waking up because it's got to be really really hard that if you are bringing in money and stuff to be able to see this structure, this opportunity for what it actually is. I hope you found this informative. Now remember, your voice and your story is very important. So don't forget to share what you've been through. And maybe you're not ready right now, and that's okay. But above everything else, act with love and kindness towards anyone in this industry because they really need that. And you're beautiful, and I love you.